Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, man? Uh, anything happened while we were away? Uh, just a few things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a lot of them, I mean, the, having a rough understanding of where the NBA calendar is going. And it's going to be a busier November and December than you and I anticipated. But I, I think we're both pretty excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's just take you through what's happened here. If you, uh, for understandable reasons, haven't been paying that much attention to the NBA over the last week or so, players in an informal vote just among team representatives approved December 22nd basically appears that that is fait accompli at this point. We do not have specific agreement yet on precisely when free agency will start. The latest reporting is 48 to 72 hours after the draft on Wednesday, November 18th is concluded. We will get you guys a mock-off season in some form or fashion. It might have to be a little truncated just so you can actually listen to all of it before free agency starts, but uh, we'll definitely get that to you. And as far as the future of the league, it sounds like the parameters are around 109 again for the cap this year and then at least a two percent increase going forward now the problem there is that's still lower than i think a lot of our estimates would have indicated it's unclear whether that's going to be the case or not that it'll be only two percent revenues could end up being better than people forecast but most contracts in the league increase by either five or eight percent per year and so that's going to lead to a lot of teams particularly in the summer of 2021 being impacted we'll have more time to break that down obviously in the future here anything that really stood out to you about some of the reporting any thoughts on just what this means who it's going to benefit uh just the anything in general you wanted to talk about with this well we it is the clearest indication and we had a couple of clear indications before that the experiment of the bubble the maybe the biggest long-term ramification of it is the nba deciding that they want their normal calendar back and there had been this idea for a long time of maybe we should start on Christmas and, and you know push the season and, and do all these other things. And it seems like that lesson was learned. Now, you could argue it was a non-representative sample for a bunch of different reasons. But that seems like one of the driving motivators here to try to get things done by the Olympics, should they happen, and to set things up for a quote-unquote normal 21-22 season. And that, you know, like, so, so then for NBA fans, for everybody who works within the league to, to kind of know that that's where things are going. That's really important. And so that's one. And that's a practical consideration for a lot of different people involved. Um, but number two is you were getting at the 2%. And I think that that is a, a I think it's going to lead to is much more teams are going to need to be more precise with their timing of when they kind of when they structure all these contracts. And it's not necessarily always about cap space. I'm thinking of it more for the luxury tax. Because when you, you know, the idea that we 
we've seen at various moments, and there are certain owners that don't care, and that's fine, and that's great. I think that's what ownership should be in, in the NBA. But these teams that kind of use their cap space, you know, like the the model with Kawhi Leonard or any of these number ones, other ones, you fill up your cap space and then you kind of sign sign some guys over the top, like maybe with uh, a low cap hold, and then you get into that. Well, if you do that and those players are all getting five or eight percent raises and the cap's only going up by two, even if you start closer to the cap, that team's going to get really expensive in a couple of years. Yeah, that that's a great point. And let's turn now to the subject of escrow. We talked last week on dunked on prime about the idea that maybe the luxury tax would also be subject to some kind of an escrow with with the you know 30 percent 40 percent escrow being bandied about for the 2021 season that maybe it's only fair right that the luxury tax if your revenues are down by 40 percent you should only have to pay you know 60 percent of what you normally would have been having to pay in luxury tax i haven't heard that brought up anywhere but it's more important than that however is what the discussions are starting to indicate and it's going to be apparently a multi-year escrow and some of the reporting bobby marx has talked about this uh woj and zach Lowe have said that rather than the normal 10 percent escrow and remember again the way this works is under normal circumstances the revenue has to be between 49 and 51 percent going to the players and so the league can normally extrapolate out a decent estimate of where revenue is going to be but they don't know exactly and so you there's this 10 percent that the owners pay into escrow and then some amount of that or maybe even more is sent to the players depending upon what the league revenues are to help balance that out now of course the big problem was the players are going to get these normal salaries for this year but the revenues are going to be reduced by as much as 40 percent according to evans adam silver and with that being the case owners would have had to pay out way more than 50 percent of basketball related income to the players and that was something that the owners obviously were loath to do the other concern though was that putting all of that loss into one year would be very difficult for a lot of players guys maybe at the end of their careers guys at the beginning of their careers who weren't going to stick etc and so it seems like what they have centered on now is spreading out the escrow and so rather than 10 percent a year it is now going to be 18 percent over two years according to the latest reporting subject to change obviously so 18 percent over two years we won't consider the time value of money aspect which is in favor of the players here but that's equivalent to basically taking a 26 percent escrow this year and i think that's a pretty darn good deal for the players i would agree uh, now the other thing that albert namad pointed out which i agree on is we're only playing 72 games and the last time we had a reduced regular season in 2012 66 games well the players only got paid for 66 games of work now it's looking like we're going to have 72 games and so are the players going to only get paid 72 out of 82 games i'm guessing that probably will be the case so maybe that's how you're really going to get to this number that really reflects as much as a 40% decrease in basketball-related income this year when you say, okay, now the players are just not getting paid at all for basically one-eighth of their games, and now there's another 8% increase in the escrow, 8% increase next year. Now you really get up to, you know, if you say, okay, an eighth of their games, that's like 12%, uh, then another 8%, then another 8%, that's 28%, and then the original 10% escrow, that's around 38%, very crude figures here, obviously. That's getting pretty close 
close now to that number and let's keep in mind of course escrow does not mean the players are automatically going to lose that right if the revenue gets better then the players are, are entitled to get some of that money back out of escrow but i think once you throw in that aspect and again there hasn't been reporting on this reduction in salary in the 72 games but i would be shocked if they're going to get paid more than that well, uh, and, and also remember that could be a way to solve some of the luxury tax issues depending on how they want to calculate the cap and the tax if they basically just kind of like cut 12 percent off of every contract but keep the luxury tax number the same that might be a way to give some of these teams like the nets breathing room yeah that's interesting we'll have to see how the the mechanics on that also that would play out. ruin our cap sheets but that's okay oh god um few other notes here uh on this and i will say i mean based on run seeing so far i think this if this is where it ends up pretty fair compromise i would agree uh the players association informed players that trade restrictions are expected to be lifted by november 16th ahead of the november 18th draft and one would think that we will see a flurry of activity pretty early on there's nothing preventing teams from discussing deals before this although you know perhaps if there's they're waiting to a thousand percent say yes until they know what the future cap implications are uh, for this um they're hoping to be done before the summer olympics in mid-july the league still saying that doing this 72 game schedule where they start on december 22nd and they finish by july is worth between 500 million and 1 billion dollars in short and long-term revenues to the league according to sources and i think that long term is key right we've wondered like hey the networks have to pay up their money for tv regardless well i'm sure they're trying to think uh, of the next tv deal which is no doubt being negotiated as time goes on here in the midst of this pandemic and whether it's in goodwill whether it's in the networks having some right to claw back or just seeking to claw back some of the money that they themselves have lost i mean clearly these reduced ratings have led to a reduction in the amount of profits that the networks were making so it seems like that's kind of where that number is coming from rather than just hard losses contractually although again you know nobody's seen these contracts we don't know exactly what they say what else do we need to hit on here as stuff that's uh that's come out about this deal well i think uh we got you got to it a little bit but i think that the idea of having a rough concept of where the cap might be going beyond even beyond necessarily 21 22 but into 22 23 until let's call it the end of this collective bargaining agreement now it could rise faster we we don't know where things are going to go beyond that i think that's really going to help facilitate moves starting on that no that november 16th potentially even earlier than that because now they can have a rough estimate like i started over the weekend i started to work a little bit on my 21 22 projections and having that idea means that teams are going to be a little like gus gunshot now it could shift from that but having a fallback is i think extremely useful for just about everybody's purposes so here's a few more things uh, uh, to talk about this uh, which i think is pretty exciting is with the success of the play-in format in the bubble the play-in format is now being brought up again a little bit different format than what we saw in the bubble the way this is going to happen is seven eight nine and ten are going to be in it this is according according to reporting again from Woj and Zach Lowe tournament starts with number seven hosting number eight whoever wins that gets into the number seven spot then number nine faces number ten 
and whoever wins that advances to play the loser of seven eight so the idea is you get a pretty darn good advantage if you're in what would have been playoff position before you basically got to lose twice which is what we had again this year as well the eighth seed would have to lose twice to the ninth seed but this will be interesting you know i think you you can bang this out in probably a three-day period and I kind of like this format. I think it does a decent job of splitting the baby as far as making the regular season mean something and giving a big advantage to the 7th and 8th seed, but at the same time, making it interesting enough that, uh, you know, people will think it's cool and that, you know, still getting into the ninth and 10th slots will mean something and that'll keep even teams, you know, 11 and 12 probably trying at least till close to the end and you'll just get more games that with teams actually trying towards the end of the season, which is something that I would like to see. Something that I'm very interested in here is how the league is going to handle this in terms of travel slash locations. So one way to do it would be to have all of the games in a neutral site kind of like the bubble became just because that's where everybody was another way to do it would be to house everything at the home of the seventh seed and so that way because then that that team gets extra revenue which i'm sure would be happy and you know you could have it all in a single place other alternatively you could have you know have the games in different places but what what concerns me a little bit about the you know separate locales is that one game will be at seven one game will be at eight and one game will be at nine and so depending like it's particularly in the western conference if you want to try to keep those games pretty close together cross Chronologically, it could get really difficult for travel. Yeah, because if the eight seed loses at the seven seed, then in theory they would then have to go home to host the winner of the nine ten game after that. But it, you mentioned the travel with the crazy amount of coronavirus surging right now, record cases. I definitely have some concerns about how this season is actually going to work with respect to coronavirus. I certainly am not looking forward to, number one, just the overall health considerations. Number two, having to deal with the moral quandary of covering a league with fans indoors if I don't feel like they are taking adequate safety precautions and i'm not saying that they're going to take inadequate safety precautions but that is a possibility they did a great job with the bubble but now you know things are a little different and also just having to be talking about a news segment every day of like all right who's on the covid list who's coming off what does this mean for the team which are baseball and more so nfl brethren have, have had to deal with but I mean, i'm glad there's gonna be a season i think it's it's worth trying hopefully with the availability of testing increasing and maybe a vaccine they can pull this off but let's not take it for granted here like the bubble was an incredible undertaking they did a great job this is not going to be in a bubble i don't know what the procedures are going to be they're going to have a lot of work to do and and I'm uh, I'm not saying they shouldn't try it, but I am worried that it probably isn't being talked about enough here of like how they're actually going to do this. Also worth noting that all 30 teams are now allowed to open their practice facilities for group practices, workouts, and scrimmages with up to 10 players. Uh, those players who are there must be tested every day for coronavirus and return a negative test each time to be allowed to participate in off-season workouts. That presumably is that rapid antigen testing, which will give you results within 15 minutes, but isn't quite as accurate. Now, some scientists will, uh, like Michael Mina above uh, among them, will say, hey, you know, at the time when you're really going to be contagious, when you have a high viral load, this antigen test is just about as good as PCR, which is the polymerase chain reaction test. That's the one where you need all these reagents in the lab. It's the gold standard, but it takes much longer. That's what the NBA was doing in Florida, but that's probably not realistic to get that type of quick testing all around the country for players going to facilities. So they're probably using these antigen tests. 
and hopefully that will be good enough i mean we've seen obviously in many places like the white house for example where getting everyone tested by antigen if they were in fact testing everyone with antigen tests which wouldn't shock me if they weren't but uh so just uh, let's just keep an eye on that let's not like we had a success in the presidential election that sure as hell doesn't mean that COVID is over uh so let's uh move on here to maybe some other small issues uh, about this anything else pop up to you before we kind of get into some of the rumors about teams and players did we talk about there not being a standing trigger for the seven eight nine ten no we didn't thank you yeah so that, that that's interesting to me i i kind of get it if you're if the idea is to have like a format and a structure but i do also think that it would be a fair reward for you know a team that is far enough. like for example let's say there there's a gulf between seven and eight like there was in the western conference this year i don't think that the seven seed should have to play that hard because if they lose that then they have to play another game and could potentially face the face the one seed when they were so much better in the season but especially when they're playing 72 so like i that is that i i would support that but again that makes it way harder for scheduling purposes couple other macro considerations from this uh we talked last time about how maybe players will take less this year right if you had a 40 percent escrow you know if you're Serge Ibaka right and the Raptors offer you 15 million with bird rights to come back another team offers you the mid-level exception 9 million but hey guess what it's 40 percent escrow anyway so the difference between that is reduced by 40 percent. that's muted a little bit but if you also have this 72 game issue and players are losing an eighth of their salary based on that and then you also have 18 percent escrow you know maybe that that does start getting up a little bit to where you're probably looking at about a 30 percent reduction in salary for this year and so that that could come into play particularly as you get to the lower end of the spectrum i would imagine and also because i think we're seeing that teams who are trying to preserve 2021 cap space are going to go for a lot of one-year deals as our players who might feel like hey this is a shitty market it'll be much better next summer like in 2018 now let me take my chances with a one-year deal and then i'll get back out there in 21 so those could sort of reduce a little bit but you know money may not talk as much and then i mean you also throw in the fact that where you're living being near family in the middle of of this health crisis I, i think we could see some free agent decisions that really surprise us based on this new world that we're living in yeah and i'm also really interested in how these complicated this complicated set of factors affects various teams willingness to spend and like i was talking about this a little bit with dan felbin on real jam radio a couple weeks ago and i've talked about a couple different places is that you have these competing forces like what is you know like with the escrow and potentially reduction in salaries you know maybe for some of these purposes it doesn't like a dollar doesn't cost a full dollar this year and you also have the pressure that there isn't arguably there isn't as strong a group at the top i mean the clippers collapsed in the playoffs the lakers were deserving champion but we don't know exactly how the aging curve is going to affect it the bucks are the bucks so some teams might push hard but then there's also the revenue reality here and so so i i think that some teams will be more reluctant so i'm really interested to see how all those factors shake out now that we have a clear idea though not a totally clear one of where where like the player expense side of it is going yeah and this has been talked about before too but the revenue sharing is going to be different Mm -hmm. a team like the warriors who has kind of a crappy tv deal but gets a a lot of in-person money they're going to be in a different situation how is that going to affect revenue sharing this year as well and you know there may still be a accommodation on the tax being a little bit higher than normal we'll see there's still a lot of this to be negotiated one other thing that came up uh, for me as well is 
are they going to reduce the six month rule for when you can trade a guy after an extension uh because normally okay hey you sign a guy for uh, sign an extension before or, or right when free agency opens in july and yeah there's six months between then and the trade deadline and you can trade a guy now though that might not be the case it, it, are they going to change that just for this year to where maybe it's four months instead so you can still sign a guy to an extension and trade him by the trade deadline Th- those are some of the little things that are going to have to work out all the contract dates etc uh let's take a quick break and then we'll talk more about some of the really interesting rumors that are starting to accumulate man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing 
like their premium slub crew tee, the no BS high rise pant, the slim roughneck pant featured in Giant Magazine issue two. Every American Giant piece is made in America and designed to last, no exceptions, and it provides year round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finger code CAPSPACE at checkout. You remember, we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American Giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us here. Well, Danny, probably the biggest thing that's come out is the logical news that Drew Holiday is now going to be at least, I don't want to say he's on the trade block, but that the Pelicans are at least listening to offers. And I know you did a little bit of work here on which teams might make sense for Holiday, what kind of packages would be out there for him potentially. Holiday is going to be a very challenging player to make a mutually acceptable deal. And the reason why is the teams that would theoretically give up the most would be, you know, paralleling the Lakers with Anthony Davis. What you're looking for is a team that could use Holiday right now. And remember, he has a player option for the 21-22 season that he can exercise and then that team would have full bird rights on him. So a team that would also have a reasonable expectation, if not stronger than that, that Holiday would re-sign with them in 21. And ideally, maybe they would, they would be that having bird rights would be advantageous. You know, give larger raises. You could maybe maybe you could stay over the cap if you're one of those teams. And the problem is there are there are lots of teams that I think Holiday makes sense on. I mean, he's he's one of the more kind of plug and play guards in the league because you can play him on ball, you can play him off ball, you can defend multiple positions, and that is very valuable. And there are a lot of great initiators in the league, and he can play alongside those guys. He can also run an offense reasonably well. But the problem is, what of those like so you could think about a team like let's say let's go to the extreme and say somebody like Miami or Denver and yes Drew Holiday would be an awesome fit both of those places I mean he'd play next to Jokic and Jamal Murray in Denver that'd be awesome and could fit easily with Miami's players but are they will really willing to give up a true haul to New Orleans for let's call it a rental plus and I'm not sure that they would yeah, so much is just going to come down to how New Orleans is seeing Holiday. And we talk all the time about these trade discussions, the concepts of internal leverage and external leverage, right? Internal leverage is, hey, if your offer isn't good enough, screw it. We'll just keep this guy. We we still like him. And certainly New Orleans is making noise like that number is high, right? That they, or I shouldn't say number, but that that the amount required to pry him away is a lot. Hey, you know, Drew's a great guy. I would imagine that they would still like to make the playoffs. They want to get some playoff experience for Brandon Ingram and Zion. And Drew's probably the only guy who could potentially give them a decent defense this year for Stan Van Gundy. And he's a very good player. However, one would think that these discussions wouldn't be happening if Drew Holiday were willing to agree to an extension that would be palatable to the team. I, my guess would be the fact that this is getting out publicly now would indicate that they, the two sides don't necessarily see a future beyond this season. And so that's going to reduce your internal leverage a lot. Obviously, that's why you see guys in the at the end of their contracts getting moved. The Pelicans, I think, this year in the bubble disabuse them of any notions that they're ready to like really contend in the western conference and then it's going to be a truncated off season so hard to see that like you know say zion is going to improve so much that like oh yeah he's ready to you know take a luca-esque leap 
in year two don't necessarily see that happening then of course there's the external leverage as well which is yeah you know what like we aren't going to keep this guy but you got to beat these other teams packages right there's that's another way to drive the price up my closest analog to holiday a player who I think probably should have made all NBA two years ago, but he never has made an all NBA team. 30 years old, last year of his contract with a player option, not making quite as much as this analog, but Mike Conley is the guy that comes to mind to me that ended up being two relatively middling first round picks from Utah, you know, probably projected to be in the 20s. It's a, another prospecting Grayson Allen who maybe had a future, but was older and ended up being in Memphis's rotation, but there's no guarantee of that at the time of the trade. They also got Jay Crowder and Kyle Korver who were kind of more it seemed like used as salary filler in that trade, although Crowder ended up having value, and we'll talk more about him in a second. But not for the Grizzlies. Yes. <laughs> so that's, uh, I mean, and I would say if anything, you would probably expect, because Holiday has a little bit more versatility than Conley on both sides of the ball, I think he, he can play more as a two and he can even defend up to the three at a lot of times, and he's a little younger, and he makes a little bit less money than Conley, that your price might be a little bit higher even than that if you're just looking at history now. There's all the coronavirus, there, but there are, I think there are going to be more suitors for Drew Holiday than Conley had. Conley it was kind of just like Indiana and Utah, right? There just weren't really that many teams that were good, that needed a point guard for whom he'd be a big upgrade. So I think Drew, there's going to be more external leverage with him and more internal leverage as well because at least this is a team that might potentially make the playoffs the the grizzlies were completely done marcus had already been traded they, they drafted john morant like there's there's zero reason to keep conley around at that point so i i would expect this package to do better than the jazz did with conley. i would too but one of the problems and this is something you and i have gotten into in a couple of like the like mega deal hypotheticals and you know like Giannis or something else is just that a lot of the teams that would be most interested in Drew Holiday don't have a ton of assets you could go through teams like the Mavericks and the Lakers and the Bucks and none of those teams have these you know like other other franchises picks that are valuable a lot of them actually are owe a bunch of their own you know the the Lakers and Dallas in particular they have the other existing obligations and they don't really have that exciting young players you know like the Lakers could include Kyle Kuzma but Kuzma a you know a player who was theoretically a part of negotiations a year ago in the Anthony Davis deal he's only one year away from restricting for agency from his raise and i don't think of him as like the centerpiece of a of a drew holiday deal so can kind of go through them quickly then i would say the next group that i find fascinating well, well quick quickly on the lakers i mean sure. you know we, we talked about it on our preview of them for the offseason that this this year's pick 2027 pick and Kyle Kuzma plus you know Danny Green would have to be in there for salary matching like he might actually help the the Pels as well or it could be flipped I mean I think that's that to me is a better package than what Utah got for Conley right there particularly if there were limited protections on that 27 pick obviously the Lakers you know are the it's the 29th pick this year instead of you know like 20 or 21 whatever it was from or 23 I think it was that became Brandon Clark when they eventually moved up so but Kuzma is a lot more juice than Grayson Allen and yeah. Danny Green is a lot more juice than yeah the Jake Danny, Gr- the Danny Green part of it is a great part is a great element to bring up so yeah I, I think I think you can you can make it. but do you agree with me on Dallas and the Bucks? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, now, you know, if one of these teams wants to go with three uh, three first-round picks in the future... Sure. I mean, the, the, and one thing also that might potentially reduce Holiday's value was I think most people assumed that Mike Conley, as ended up being correct in all likelihood, was going to opt into that ETO, or you could at least get him to opt out and 
extend him for longer off that ETO because that was so much money for him and he was older. Drew Holiday, you know, so you kind of were trading for him. Yeah, he's maybe a little bit overpaid, Conley, but you've had an idea that you at least would have him for two years, which is probably going to be turn out to be right. Whereas Holiday seems like a very, very good bet to opt out. And so he's making less and he's younger and he's better than Conley at that time. So with all of that, now you're only trading for him for one year. You could extend him still potentially, although uh, as we talked about, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to do that with, with you have that six month rule. We'll see what they do with that in the CBA. So that that's a reason maybe why his value is a little bit lower. Um, it's also a reason why, say, the Denver Nuggets probably not a team where he necessarily would want to stay just because they're not viewed as a big free agent destination i mean i happen to love the city of denver i just uh, visited that area a couple weeks ago it's great they got a nice young team where he's going to be contending they'll be making the playoffs for the next five years with uh, nicole Jokic. he's a great fit there etc cetera, etc cetera. um but you know for whatever reason free agents don't necessarily gravitate there as much as they might to say brooklyn and golden state and that's what zach lowe's reporting indicated is that the he expects denver brooklyn and golden state to be the three suitors for holiday i thought that zach was a little bit overstating what the price would be to get holiday but he may have some reporting on that uh, as well um so sorry sorry i interrupted you there on the lakers but is there any other what do you think of those three teams denver brooklyn and golden state unless the pelicans are much more excited about somebody like gary harris or will barton than i would be not that those guys are bad players yeah. but is as centerpieces a michael porter jr is the is the most intriguing piece and I, unless I had some sort of understanding about where Drew, that Drew Holiday was willing to come back, I don't think that I would include Porter. His ceiling is just so high, and the the possibility that Holiday leaves, you know, giving up a player that talented for the rental, like as Adam Morris told me, told me like I think it was before the bubble. As talented as this team is, like Porter Jr. is their ceiling. Like he's the guy who could potentially you know reach that level. Now Porter Jr. has more injury downside than almost any player who is as tantalizing in his rookie year. But you know I, I don't know that that for Holiday unless you thought that he was coming back and there isn't to me a way of constructing a deal without Michael Porter Jr. from the Nuggets that really gets them into the conversation yeah and if it were Will Barton and Gary Harris and two first round picks eh, you know I, I might be interested there um again it depends what the other offers are but you know, it seems like brooklyn i guess with karis lavert is probably their most premium asset although I, I would have some interest in spencer dinwiddie if i were the pels as well but lavert oh, yeah. is under is under team control for three more years so that's dinwiddie only one so i, I think that's obviously the pels for them that's important and Levert does provide a, an aspect of perimeter shot creation that they need. They've got Ingram, but you know I think Levert w- would fit in reasonably well there, and he's got some pretty good size. Yeah, I think you am. You know, Lonzo, Levert, Ingram, like that's a, that's an interesting pair uh, or, or an interesting pairings on the perimeter with at least some good size to help you make up for the fact that none of those guys are tremendous individual defenders along the lines of what Holiday is. But between Brooklyn with Levert, Denver with Porter Jr., and Golden State with either that Minnesota pick or their number two overall pick, are we going to get to a real premium asset for drew holiday is it going to be just your eh, you know couple of second round or a couple of first rounders that'll probably be late in the round going forward and some salary matching is it going to be that type of a deal or is it going to be no this is one of the premium trade assets in the league going forward um, th- one other one other get. quick note on that in in other circumstances you could see jared allen as an as an exciting piece of this allen only one year away from being presumably properly paid as a restricted yeah. for agent 21 but while i think of allen as a better prospect than jared 
Jackson Hayes that it, it is a little bit duplicative and it also might be hard to flip Allen in another deal. I don't know exactly what's out there for him, you know, this offseason and probably too early to flip Jackson Hayes as well. So you kind of you, you don't you create kind of a worse a worse asset. You also can't play both of those guys if you wanted to like roll into the season and then just figure it out from there. Still worth having you know i'm not saying like anything like that and also that to me is a reminder of why unless you're really sure they're going to be good probably don't take a center in that spot like think about if they had cam reddish or maybe not hashimura but like i mean not even getting into like the taylor heroes way better but just like centers centers are a problem because you can't play them together like straight centers and so that's that's a limitation the warriors are fascinating for a bunch of different reasons we'll talk about them in more substance later but one of them being unless they can pull off a stair step trade meaning they acquire somebody else and then use them as salary matching there are a couple like i guess they could incorporate the second pick if they trade it but one of the other ways to do this would be to include andrew wiggins and how i mean it has to be they have to include either draymond green or or andrew wiggins has got to be in the deal for the salary matching purposes yeah pretty much unless unless you could pull off like a stair step or something and and i think that and with the timing i don't think you i I, it would be hard to hard to pull that off um I, i and so wiggins becomes a complicated piece for the Pelicans because he is owed 30, 31 and a half million, I believe, per year over the next three years. And so he does have physical talent. He did look better last year than he has in any he, than in a previous year. But that's still a lot of money for Andrew Wiggins. That functionally, you know, that means the Pelicans are going to be a an over-the-cap team for the foreseeable future. So then, so you're getting a, presumably you're getting a better top-end asset, assuming Michael Porter's not in the deal, but you're also taking on some baggage too. Yeah, so it's really, I really have no idea how this is going to play. I could even go to the trade deadline as well, which in which case you would like the Warriors' chances a little bit better because they could take on someone with that stair step, uh, you know, a James Johnson type or something, and then pair him and Kevon Looney and, you know, maybe that Minnesota pick or something. But yeah, you as you mentioned, the timing of getting a player like that with the trade exception and then immediately flipping him for holiday, that's going to get a little scrutiny from the league. But yeah, I, and there's so much more to talk about with holiday and i just i don't know exactly what kind of value he has i'd be very interested because i mean there are a lot of teams that could really use him and he could put a team over the top for the championship and are those teams going to be competing with each other how much do they value him would holiday be willing to stay there what kind of indications is he going to give on that i mean there's so many variables that we just don't know as far as how these teams are going to value him and what new orleans might actually be able to get a little more news from the pels also chris finch and Jamel McMillan, two coaches under Alvin Gentry's staff. Finch was uh, supposedly involved in the coaching search in Indiana, but it uh, looks like he's going to be moving elsewhere, not staying on with Stan Gunny. Finch uh, is a offensive guru. And uh, that, that from uh, NOLA News reporting on Jamel McMillan. So Stan Gundy will uh, work out uh, his staff in New Orleans. Let's take a quick break and then we can talk more about the rest of the rumors, which is, uh, I guess when we don't talk for a week, this is what happens. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to talk Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like 
you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. All right, what else we got here in terms of news that is piled up? Well, we, we, we're kind of starting to get some early inklings in terms of free agency kind of murmurs. Uh, looks like the Pacers are going to keep Teju McConnell, that he has a partial guarantee for next season. Uh, Justin Holiday, they yeah, have... Th- $3 million, yes. by the way, is what he is scheduled to earn and for next absolutely year. Absolutely, they should keep him at that price. Yeah, and I, actually, I don't, I don't even know if it is a partial guarantee. I think it's totally non-guaranteed, but that guarantee date was early. It was four days before the start of free agency. So we can move on to Justin Holiday. Uh, it, there's a Rumor from Ian, from Ian Be- not reporting from Ian Begley that the Knicks are going to be are going to be interested and that hasn't really changed. Um, but it sounds like from Jay Michael that both the Pacers and Justin Holiday are interested in his return. And I mean, he he it seems like he has a place within their rotation. I would be listening to other teams, but it makes sense that the Pacers would be a front front runner for him. Holiday's played on a bunch of teams in his career. Yeah, and they don't have a ton in terms of assets to bring back. Remember, he signed for the room exception four. 28 million last year they would have to dip into their mid-level exception although this is another one of those teams not a ton of room below the tax uh, for next year especially if they are in fact going to keep mcconnell though he could he could always be traded at a later point so if he if holiday's price range were to get above about 5 million which you know they can give him 120 percent raise off that 4.8 million or they can dip into the mid-level exception to pay him more than that unless they make some other moves and you know they've got lamb they've got doug mcdermott they've got some guys who could be moved there's always talk that they could break up the bigs maybe whatever transaction they do could save them some money there an old depot trade as we'll talk about in a second could save them some money but that that is a concern with holiday and then Zach Lowe reporting that several teams are monitoring Vitriol Depot, but that they kind of want to see him play first, which uh, I would completely understand. Yes. If I were those teams. We also have reporting that Zach from Zach Lowe, that from that big piece that he did at ESPN, I believe it's from the piece, that uh, New York and Detroit, while they like intuitively make sense as Fred Van Vliet destinations, I mean, the Knicks have been bandied a lot because he can fit with various different iterations of the Knicks, but their interest in giving him 20 million or more per year is unclear. And that Detroit has telegraphed other teams that they would rather operate as a dumping ground for unwanted salaries to get picks in the process. And that makes sense because they're a team that is far enough away. They probably shouldn't be committing now, you know, like basically Van Vliet. He's not really on the timeline because we don't know what the hell the Pistons timeline is. But my concern there is that I don't know what the premium is going to be for being a dumping ground, but maybe Detroit in a weird way actually benefits from the revenue structure change, like basically recruit revenues because maybe teams that don't look structurally like they have to cut space are going to feel more pressure to actually save owners money. Yeah, and if the cap really is only going to go up 2% per year and the tax stays at its present level, being a super fun site might end up being a, a good place to be in terms of getting assets. And I think that's the right approach. I don't think that signing Fred Van 
Van Vliet for $20 million a year really makes sense for the Pistons. The Knicks also are low saying that they're a little bit harder to read, that they do want to get better. Maybe that's through trying to acquire young veterans, but that they might also be open to using their cap space and salary dumps as well. Certainly the Knicks uh, can be inconsistent in their plans, so I, I wouldn't necessarily take that as gospel. Lowe also discussing Goran Dragic in Miami and as I think a lot of us have indicated with the Heat's Giannis pursuits that a big one-year deal for Dragic and the Heat have plenty of space to do that will do their offseason later this week I'm sure but they can afford to play Dragic enough I think that even multi-year offers around the full mid-level exception wouldn't necessarily be competitive and also Dragic can come back to a team that just made the NBA Finals um low also said that jay crowder will draw multi-year offers around the 9.3 million dollar mid-level exception good for him and also that miami should retain him at that rate I, that's something i don't necessarily agree with uh, he said that it would impinge on their 2021 space but the heat can manufacture room when they need it yeah i don't know i don't know if i would want to go more than one year at the mid-level for jay crowder his shooting is I mean, and they still have andre guadala on this team who they're paying a lot of money to now his contract expires at the end uh, of next year but i don't know that they need jay crowder i think they you could always go get a jay crowder at the deadline as they did this year if you really need it seems like you really need him so i that, that would be a little rich for crowder who to me was not worth that until he really got to miami and shot the ball better and you know he's gonna be in his early 30s so i i respectfully disagree a little bit with uh zach on that one talk bucks here yeah a couple interesting things um there the the rumors that we've been hearing for the tying again to zach Lowe that the bucks are interested in bogdan bogdanovich which is which i mean he's a natural fit there but it's just the logistics of making a trade happen but also yeah he's a restricted free agent obviously with the king so they and, would and have the, to and the bucks it have to be a sign it have to be a sign in trade because because of the restricted rights and because the bucks don't have the capacity you know like they all they have is the middle level yeah. exception uh and so that's interesting and then also uh, per Ethan Sherwood Strauss, that the Bucks have met with Denny Avdia. And when you consider that Milwaukee does not have anything near where you think that Avdia would go, that makes you think that, oh, maybe there could be some sort of change in where the Bucks are headed, or it's just diligence from John Horst and his staff. Yeah, it could be. A lot of these guys are kind of down in the same area, it seems like, in Atlanta working out. And so, hey, if you're going to be down there looking at one prospect, why not meet with them? But certainly, Avdia projected to go in the top 10, if not even the top six and the bucks do not project to have a pick there and i can't imagine any way that they might do that other than by trading one Giannis Antetokounmpo now if i were perhaps you know Lowe did report that many in the bucks organization expect Giannis still to sign the supermax if i were in the bucks organization i would not be telling anyone that like that's just setting your putting pressure on Giannis and setting yourself up for potential failure that way it doesn't seem to work very well to me but uh whatever that is out there and maybe those members of the organization will be correct as you and I both noted there's no reason for him to sign that now he could suffer a devastating injury and still be offered the supermax next summer anyway if Kevin Durant's history is any indication and I mean if it gets if the contract gets to be or, or if the injury were so bad that he just couldn't even play again then you know I'm sure he'd procure insurance for that eventuality and 
that is just something to keep an eye on there that is you don't normally see something like that happening it could be nothing but it could also be the bucks at least having an inkling that there could be a desire from Giannis uh, to move on because i mean that's got that's the only reason they'd be doing this right like they don't want to trade him they wouldn't be they wouldn't be like oh well you know let's let's figure out the top 10 because hey you know maybe someone will maybe we'll just be so blown away by denny avdia that yeah you know we'll just throw Giannis for him like no that's not how this works like they they would there is at least some inkling there you would imagine be behind it unless there's some other explanation but I can't think of what that would be we could move on to the Philadelphia 76ers and their front office shakeup continues with the departure of Alex Rucker Rucker was the team's executive vice president of basketball operations and he was the last vestige of the Colangelo era in Philadelphia so not a surprise that when Daryl Morey goes in at the top of that pecking order that Rucker would be gone it was rumored that he was going to be gone even without Morey being brought in yeah and there's even some reporting that Rucker was kind of the head of the collaboration despite Elton Brand being the titular head going back to 2018. Ian Begley reporting that Brooklyn is expected to decline that player option for around $5 million for Garrett Temple. That, of course, would not preclude them bringing him back should they so desire. We talked about that in their section that maybe it would make more sense with their tax issues to just give him a multi-year commitment and reduce that or that they should let him go. I think Temple actually is still someone who can be in their rotation and help them. But at age 34, he's getting up there and the five million with their tax issues apparently not gonna be worth it um and then this is interesting in atlanta where it's reported that the hawks are nearing a deal to hire nate mcmillan former pacers coach of course recently fired as an assistant coach on lloyd pierce's staff and a couple of things stick out to this to me number one is lloyd pierce has already been rumored to be in the trouble he got the dreaded chris haynes article saying that the hawks are not thinking about moving on from pierce but his friction with trey young has been well documented including by the athletics chris kirshner so i think it's very clear with all the pressure to improve that lloyd pierce is on the hot seat going into the season and now they've just hired someone for his staff that pretty much anyone would have ranked as a better coach than lloyd pierce if they happen to do coach rankings like i do with john hollinger and so this very much to me has the feel of if they get off to a bad start they move on from pierce and nate mcmillan gets elevated i don't know what if pierce and mcmillan have a pre-existing relationship but is this let, more, let's is, watch out for that is one. this more or less dangerous than having jb bickerstaff on your staff <laughs> <laughs> well again no indication that jb bickerstaff or mcmillan for that matter are like actively engaged in backstabbing <laughs> but this seems this seems like especially if you're under pressure the way that travis schlank is if things if they get off to a bad start and things don't improve under lloyd pierce that i could easily see mcmillan being elevated there also worth noting that mcmillan not exactly lauded in indiana according to jay michaels reporting for being like a relationship building type of guy so for those who are like oh yeah you can come in he can establish a relationship with trey young blah blah like that's not necessarily something that's viewed as one of mcmillan's strengths so uh but helping to get guys to play better defensively which would be huge for the hawks yeah although again you know many have credited dan burke for a lot of that too who now of course is going to be in philly with doc rivers at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are we done with that? Should we talk a little off-season here? Yeah, let's do it. And we're going to be at the top of the draft now with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the Timberwolves jumping to the number one pick creates a really fascinating situation for a bunch of different reasons. One being that the Timberwolves, by trading for D'Angelo Russell, you could argue, and I would, that this was actually originally by signing Andrew Wiggins to his contract in addition to the extension for Carl Anthony Towns. Not that I'm complaining about that one. They are a team that is simultaneously not particularly good right now and also not particularly flexible if you assume that Towns yeah. and Russell are going y- to be you there. could throw a uh, Gorgie Jang in, into that one too by the way oh if yes if we oh, want most to uh, most definitely if, if we want to re- recount the sins of uh the Thibodeau era yes Thibodeau absolutely era, and, sorry. So, and so basically that creates an, an, an situation where like for example Minnesota even not counting their draft pick for next year if they you know you know kind of were, they're they're not really looking at much cap space in 21 22 even right now assuming they you know pick up the fourth year options on at least most of their guys and there's no guarantee that they will on some of them we can talk about that but it's hard for them to improve and they you could argue that they're going to be better you know they they had a really weird injury play you know town's missing time was so strange and also they acquired malik beasley and wancho heron gomez during the season so we never got to see the battle station fully operational but this number one pick whether it's by drafting the right player or by trading it is their best opportunity to fundamentally transform this team yeah and let's talk about uh, that number one pick first uh let's just say if they keep it here who should they take I would take Lamelo Ball. Oh yeah, no brainer. I mean, like, he's, he's number one on my board. Like it's, I think that's a thousand percent clear to me. I don't know if that's a thousand percent clear to them though. Yeah, I mean, Ant- Carly Diddy Towns is. I, I talked about how it's like basically best prospect available and there are almost no exceptions. Carlton Towns is one of the few places where you would really seriously consider an exception, assuming that he's going to stick around. Like drafting James Wiseman would be a challenge. I don't think you'd particularly want to play those guys together. Be- well, well, and he he is even refusing to have like any contact with them at all, which I completely understand. I don't want to yeah. go, go, go to Minnesota. Be where buried on the Carly bench. already got Carl Anthony Towns. And, right. and, and that seems like a complete smokescreen to me too, frankly. And, and you know, if I'm James Wiseman, I don't want to necessarily get used in that but like well no the, like the, Ger- and, gerson rosas isn't that dumb to think that carl anthony towns and james wiseman are gonna play but the, the way that they can get teams in, who want wiseman to go to number one is basically to say we're willing to trade the pick and that team could be interested in wiseman like that to me that's the way you generally yeah. not like oh we're really interested in james wiseman we're gonna take him here so we'll see i mean I, so i i would go there and anthony edwards a reasonable a reasonable fit i mean you would, you would add some athleticism add some physical potential and theoretically edwards could get a healthier shot mix playing next to Carl Anthony Towns and, and D'Angelo Russell. Now, your defensive foundation would be very scary. I mean, Edwards is, he has theoretical defensive potential, but I was very dispirited by his film. Let's put it that way. And so I don't, he, his fit there definitely isn't terrible. I would say his fit is the, in his immediate fit is the best yeah. of the three. Right. But LaMelo Ball has the highest ceiling. I think that like, part of the reason you draft LaMelo Ball is that he could end up, not saying he will, but he could end up being better than D'Angelo Russell. And so I talked about before how this idea from Adam Mars that like Michael Porter Jr., even though he's not the Nuggets best player and probably won't ever be, he's their ceiling. I think that LaMelo Ball fundamentally changes Minnesota ceiling because he could be really good. Yeah, I would, uh, I, 
I mean, it's hard to say if I believe that Ball will have a higher median outcome than D'Angelo Russell, but he certainly, to me, has a much higher upside than D'Angelo Russell. He's just faster. He's bigger. He's more athletic. I think he's a much better passer. I think he's going to be better defensively, although that is damning with faint praise, as they say. And I don't, you know, neither of them projects to be a great defensive player at first, but, you know, is like Malik Beasley playing him at the two instead of Lamella. Is that really going to be so much better two years from now? You know, uh, and you mentioned Edwards, like he is certainly the best positional fit. I mean, it's interesting that he really, you know, really nobody seems to have been particularly linked to them. Like Wiseman, it seems like the one that's been talked about the most, which, you know, seems like a total smokescreen there. John Krasinski, your colleague at The Athletic, wrote a, a long piece about the smokescreens coming out of, of Minnesota, which I recommend people read. That was the one with the Hardaway story, right? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. that was great. <laughs> yeah, the Bill Musselman Hardaway story. Oh, God. That's a, that's that is some Twin Cities lore right there. So I would just take Lamel. I mean, even, you know, th- they don't really have a great backup point card option. We'll talk about Jordan McLaughlin in a second, but he's not going to prevent you from dialing up Lamelo Ball. And, and yes, they have made this enormous investment in D'Angelo Russell. I think, you know, you could still, it's still nice to have two guys who can run a pick and roll because Jared Culver is not that uh, on this team. And those guys can be staggered a little bit. Like, I don't think it's such a horrible fit between Ball and Russell. And Ball, to me, is way better. So certainly listen to trade offers. But if they stay at one, I think, to me, LaMelo is the clear guy. I mean, they just may be so invested in D'Angelo Russell that they could never possibly draft over the top of the 18th best point guard in the NBA. But they obviously see him as way better, and he's Carlton's friend and all that. So difficult to know how all of that is going to play out but you know in terms of trade they're trying to in theory they want charlotte like would want to trade up for wiseman is the idea they really want to center and we talked to charlotte we don't think that's really a good idea i think i like where charlotte is to just wait where they are and just take whichever of those three guys falls to them that's kind of the lowest pressure situation to be in frankly uh, between edwards wiseman and paul there's talk that the knicks might be trying to move up as well you know i'm not really sure what the knicks i mean they would eight would obviously be in there but they'd have to offer a lot more and well, they don't and really have Mitchell robinson the Mitchell robinson wouldn't have a place on the on the right Timberwolves yeah there's well. nothing i'm interested in players wise i mean rj barrett Knicks. if you're if they're selling low on him just because he's talented yeah. but i can't imagine as i was being... saying there's there's nothing i'm interested in players wise <laughs> i mean eight and rj barrett no thank you i'll just stay there and take lamella ball if that's the package so and those dallas picks going into the future hey you know let's Dallas is going to be good. You know, Nick's unprotected picks in the future or lightly protected at you know maybe that's a little better i would i would do that bet on dysfunction that that's uh, how the, that's how uh, the knicks could get there for uh, me if i were running the Timberwolves. but you know generally the number one pick gets used this is not a typical year and that there isn't that overwhelming number one guy but to me yes lamella ball is not as good as your typical number one overall pick but i still think that the gap between him and the guys below him is as big as you would normally well and, and that's the big difference for me between this year and 2012 which a lot of a lot of people have made parallels to which is basically 2012 was another bad draft class and i mean that was one that i was cutting my teeth on at real gm but that class didn't have a number one and that's part of how anthony davis ended up or sorry anthony 
Anthony Bennett ended up there was because yeah, 2013. You're talking sorry, about, right? 2013. Yeah. Thank you. 2012 yeah. had a number one. Um, and it was Anthony Davis, the guy I just accidentally missed that. Um, and so I I think that that's a fundamental difference is that there is there is a player who is to me better than everybody else, and so that is a a very real consideration. However, Minnesota does not appear to get the leverage from that because other teams don't necessarily agree with us, and it sounds like Mel Ball's interviews haven't gone particularly well. Something I talked about with Sam Vecini. Um, and- yeah, that, that's that's one that you know Bobby Marks, who uh, full disclosure had is like part of the team that's helping Lamelo prepare. Uh, so he kind of has to say this because he's he's fake interviewing him if his interviews aren't going well. That's uh, not a good reflection on Bobby. But but nonetheless, you know, he pushed back on that, and also you know, there's uh, John Gavoni pushed back on that as well. That like there really haven't been many Lamelo interviews recently yet. So you know that could just be disinformation as well. That report, Rick Bonnell, um out of Charlotte, you know, he he may be hearing that, but that might be lo- more local sources, and you know, maybe he didn't interview well with the Hornets or something, or you know, there. I it's I'm not taking that as I would sure with uh, a national reporter. Although you know, some of the, again, that's not necessarily the sort of stuff you're going to hear from national reporters as well because they're beholden to not get on the bad side of agents. But I, I've it's just one of these things where I'm there's so much noise around stuff like that that i'm gonna just go back to what i see on film i like that like yes that might be true yes it might not be true i have no way of knowing so i'm gonna just look at the tape and the tape is good yeah um well and so the the other the other thing you could theoretically do with this pick is not trade down but functionally trade out and so move it for things that you know not for for players that already exist and partially because other than James Johnson, and that's a pretty big caveat because James Johnson, you know, 16 million is right in the range that you can make a lot of things work. And they have some smaller guys too, you know, if we're talking Jacob Bevan, Spellman and all that, like you could get up to a larger number. I don't know who that target would be. Now, theoretically, they could get in the mix for a Drew Holiday trade and Drew Holiday would make sense with this roster, but is he going to resign? Like I would not give up the number one pick for a rental of Drew Holiday when he wouldn't even necessarily push the T-Wolves into the playoff picture with how strong the West is. You know, like I, I I don't think Bradley Beal's necessarily on the market right now. The, the appeal of Beal is that he has a longer contract. And so like, I don't know who that player would be either. Now, like, maybe you do a recent draftee, but what recent draftee is both available and worth the number one pick? Right. I, I don't necessarily see that either. Now, I mean, there is a thought that these guys, like everyone and their brother, is trying to really take a step forward next year. But uh, again, you know, I don't see that. Now, they do have the number 17 pick, uh, which they got in the deal sending Robert Covington to Houston uh, that initially belonged to Brooklyn and then uh, became uh, the property of the Hawks and now got shifted to them. So that combined with James Johnson, maybe that gets you a veteran who could help a little bit. I, I think maybe the next place to talk about this team, though, is just what do they need on this squad at this point? I mean, let's assume that Hernan Gomez and Beasley are going to be back in some form or fashion as restricted free agents. I don't see the big offer sheet out there for either of them, particularly with uh, the disturbing allegations against Beasley in the last couple of weeks here, uh, including him being charged. So... If these guys are really trying to focus on getting better, 
what do they need to be at least in realistic playoff contention? They need a lot of depth, and they also the most important thing though is they need forwards. I mean, you want ideally you want a wing, a wing defender, a wing creator would be nice to have though. They don't need that as much with Towns and D'Angelo Russell in the fold. And I would say a power forward who can fortify their defense. You know, you could think about the way that Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic fit together. You know, maybe somebody who can make Towns' life easier, and then with that easier life, Towns can be better. Yeah, although finding someone who isn't going to cramp his spacing, but will also help him defensively, you know, that's not easy to find. I mean, Towns probably played his best defensively in his career as a rookie when he was played next to Kevin Garnett, interestingly enough. So yeah, someone like Millsap could potentially fit into that. But the problem is there, I mean, I think that player is more likely to arrive by a trade because where they're at right now is basically right at the cap. So that means that they're looking at 23 million or so in room to fill. They've already got probably, you know, with both of these draft picks, some of these non-guarantee guys, they might let them go, but they probably got like 10 players or so on roster when all, all of a sudden done. James Johnson eh, might opt into his $60 million player option. And then they've got Hernan Gomez and Beasley that they want to bring back. Beasley famously turned down about $10 million a year in a three-year extension deal. He's going to be looking for more than that. He had a nice performance with this team, and then obviously uh, the hiatus occurred and the Wolves weren't part of anything after that. So he's going to be looking for starting shooting guard money. You have to imagine bringing him back will take at least in the you know 11 or 12 million range. Maybe his market's a little lower. Maybe he goes qualifying. He does have a little bit less leverage, though, because he's not going to have met the starter criteria last year. But between he and Herman Gomez, you know, you'd think 18, 19 million probably to bring those guys back. And then that means you're not using the full mid-level exception in all likelihood and maybe not even the taxpayer or the BAE. Right. And and so that, that creates a real problem in terms of Minnesota getting significantly better in, in the short term, other than, you know, just being kind of a healthier version of what they never were everybody together. Uh, let's let's think, though, what, for let's say they have the taxpayer middle level to the full middle. Just just to get a rough estimate, who do you think is both available theoretically around that price and also would make sense kind of to cure what ails Minnesota? Yeah, well, you mentioned Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic. Paul Millsap with Carl Anthony Towns might look pretty good. And this is a team that has long struggled for shooting. But if you have Russell and Beasley and Carl Anthony Towns, I think you can get away with Millsap. Especially the regular season. I mean, Minnesota's thinking more about that than they're thinking more about 82 game players than 16 game players. Yeah, and your Mo Harkless, your Jeremy Grant types, uh, certainly, uh, I think, uh, power forward to me is where they really need a starter to come in. Now, of course, they've got Jarrett Culver and they've got Josh Okogie, and those are guys who, in theory, are better defensively, but both have really struggled offensively, and I wouldn't want to count on either of them as being a starter next year. They've got Jake Lehman, another guy who, all right, you know, these guys can kind of be at the low end of your rotation, but, and you mentioned forwards, like, they just don't have any starting quality forwards on this team right now right and that was something uh what did those collaborative pieces for the athletic while back with seth partner and dave dufour and seth talked about the lack of shooting talent around towns last year and so yeah russell will help with that and they'll have a hell and beasley can too yeah. but 
they're probably going to want something else from one of the other spots as well. And so that creates, it creates a challenge. Um, I could see. Yeah. Craig Robinson. They, they don't have the resources to get a, the type of two way starter that they needed, either the three or the four. In right. My opinion. And um, I could see, you know, Glenn Robinson, the third being an option, but remember they have more possibilities at the three than at the four. So that's why I think you use the four in free agency. And also, I don't know exactly who they would acquire in a trade that necessarily, that necessarily fits all that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, James, Johnson plus 16 is the package one thing that that Zach Lowe bandied about was maybe James Johnson plus 17 in a sign and trade for Daniel Gallinari that, that's an interesting one but you know I think these guys have enough offense at this point I think they really got to get better defensively with the caveat that whoever they get needs to at least be able to stand still and shoot the ball which some of the defensive guys that are young that they have right now can't do at the moment how would you feel about Derek Jones Jr. there? Yeah, I, I mean, his shooting is not great. I just don't see how they have the resources, again, to bring him back. I mean, are they going to, even to bring back, even if they only bring back Beasley and they let Hernan Gomez go, you're still, like, right up against the tax with Jones Jr. And let's not forget, too, I mean, the, the other thing we haven't even talked about with these guys is the potential sale of the team. Yeah. You know, I, I think they would be very low to give out even more in terms of long-term contracts let's not forget right they got towns and they got russell on this team already they're adding the number one pick which is a substantial contract james johnson does the uh expire after this year but this is a team that i don't know that they want to have a bunch of salary cap commitments going forward here and they don't know who the owner is going to be and the team is still trying to be sold and you know clearly glenn taylor is not getting the offers that he wanted or the deal would be done already yeah and when you consider that if the cap's only going up two million you know or two percent next year that they're you know a commitment to to malik beasley and if wancho gets multiple years which i expect that he will then they're probably not a cap space team in 21 22 anyway and so that but so then but when you think about it, that's not like oh no they're not gonna be able to use cap space it's that means they're gonna be getting closer to the luxury tax and that could potentially be a problem one guy I might take a look at on the fringe for them might be Andre Robertson, just to see whether he has it again as kind of a low-rent version of what we were hoping that Derek Jones Jr. might give them. Uh, you know, maybe Markeith Morris could be someone that they would give a shot to. Uh, I, I will say I'm guessing they're going to give Jarrett Culver, if he's not starting, the keys to the second unit. But this team needs another creator. Like, their they're starting lineup's yeah. fine. Well, maybe maybe that ends up being either Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball. I mean, it's... It it, yeah, I, I assume they're going to have. I think it's most likely outcome. But like a caretaker, like if they don't, a caretaker like Neto or Napier. Yeah, well, they got Jordan McLaughlin. Oh, yeah, well, McLaughlin. You know, that's think. right. Yeah, that, that never and, mind. I'd and, forgotten about and, him. Yeah, and he's going to be coming off a two-way. I, I think I would feel comfortable sure. yeah. rolling with him as my backup point guard. He performed well. I don't, particularly given how crappy the backup point guard market is here. Um, one guy I actually would be interested in for them, though, would be Tyler Johnson. I thought he really resurrected his career for the Nets in the bubble and had to do a little too much off the dribble, but he looked more athletic. His jumper was falling in a way that it hadn't been in a couple of years. I actually like his fit reasonably well next to D'Angelo Russell at times. Um, you know, maybe there isn't space for him, but as a low-level potential pickup, I think he would be a good fit with this group, bring some defensive intensity, but also actually the ability to make the ball go in the basket from the perimeter. The other thing they need is a little something at backup center. Yes, 
and crazy considering they had Gorgie Jang and then Jang looked, I mean, he had, he had a solid time in Minnesota as well, but also like really did well in Memphis. But yeah, that is a need. Fortunately, that is a need that can be acquired inexpensively and they just need to get, they need to get the right guy. And Towns is usually incredibly durable. So there might not be the sales and he's entrenched as the starter. So somebody who'd be interested in, you know, potentially raising their profiles there, but there are enough backup centers that I don't think that'd be a problem. Like somebody like John Henson, I think could actually be a, a nice little fit. See if he can rebuild yeah. his rebuild his career a little bit there. And, and I mean, they, they clearly have no interest in, it seems like at least in Amari Spellman, who, you know, basically was sent to the G League immediately upon his arrival. Um, Nas Reed was able to shoot the ball a little bit. Maybe if they, you know, would feel comfortable with Reed and another veteran backup center type like you were talking about coming in. But depth is going to be more important than ever in this 72-game season that we have coming up, even if you do have a guy who had been an Iron Man in Towns. So some of the lower level stuff uh, for these guys, Jared Vanderbilt, again, did not figure for them much. He just kind of had to be in that trade for matching salary from Denver. He's got a non-guarantee 15 days after free agency begins. I would imagine, particularly with their possible tax issues, that they would not bring him back. Uh, Jalen Noel, I thought he showed enough to want to bring him back, but his guarantee date isn't until the league-wide cutdown date, so you got plenty of time there. The aforementioned Reed, his guarantee date is 21 days after free agency begins. I think he showed enough again to, to make this team. And McLaughlin, he'll be a restricted free agent. All they have to give him as a qualifying offer, though, is another two-way with $50,000 guaranteed. So he's not going to have much leverage. I've said before that if I were a team looking for backup point guard help, I might actually make him an offer sheet for above the minimum. I would I don't too. Know if the Wolves, I, I don't know if the Wolves would match that, but the way these things usually go is just the guy ends up getting a very team-friendly minimum with a year or two guaranteed and a long tail of non-guarantees on it. Yeah, like Lou Dort even got that even though he had played well. Yeah. Yeah, now, I mean, Dort wasn't the force that we later thought that he was uh, when guarding James Harden sure. and scoring 30 points in a Game 7 hilariously. I can't, still can't believe that game happened. That was a completely <laughs> insane game. Um, Anything so else we need to talk about for these guys? Just very briefly, um, Minnesota has two fourth-year option decisions. I fully expect that they will decline the fourth-year option on Jacob Evans. That would be $3.7 million. I, I mean, Jacob Evans hasn't looked like an NBA player to me, so why commit to that a year ahead of time? And then Spellman... I actually think Spellman for 3.6 would be worthwhile, but knowing what we know right now, it doesn't seem like Minnesota would do that. So I would say if you are another team that would be theoretically interested in Spellman, now maybe you he just gets straight up cut and then you can get him on a more friendly deal, but I would be fine paying Spellman the, by claiming him off waivers or whatever, taking that money on. You know, as long yeah, as that didn't push me to the tax or something. Yeah, 3.6 for Spellman seems like a, a lot in his fourth year where he really has not played productive NBA. I thought he showed some flashes with the Warriors but that Warriors team obviously was a shit show last year and also with Spellman you always wonder what kind of shape he's going to be I mean he's not the kind of guy who I think is going to benefit from a 10-month layoff being away from a team in a pandemic with some some of the issues that he's had staying in shape I I hope that he's overcome those but that's obviously going to be a part of his story for some time to come and I think that will do it for today. Got lots more coming here on Dunked on Prime. Of course, beginning tomorrow, we are going to have a sale for Dunked on Prime. We'll be giving our second best offer ever because our pre-sale, we're never going to go back to that again. But we're going to offer a very good deal. Check it out. 
dunkdon.supportingcast.fm for dunked on total access uh, where you'll get access to our salary sheets for a year it's it's a year-long deal that's why you get a big discount on it you'll get the mock off season you'll get danny and my chats you'll get live updates to the salary sheets as transactions come in during the draft during free agency during the trade deadline obviously so lots of great stuff uh, that you get for being a dunked on prime total access member in addition of course to the podcast and full access to the mock off season so please check that out link is in the show notes and we will talk to y'all tomorrow till then At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.